0: Welcome to Unplugged, our first edition as we take a look at all things St Kilda. Darren Parkin is my name to be joined by a couple. Our very special guest, the three of us lifelong St Kilda supporters as we sink our teeth into what has really been a fascinating year for the club. A terrific result on the weekend with a 27-point win over the Western Bulldogs. But the coaching saga obviously still to play out. Alan Richardson coaching his last game against Geelong the week before and Brett Ratton starting with a win. There were certainly uh, some rumblings when Brett Ratton came to the club uh, in the off-season that we might get to this point. It's always sad when it does reach that crescendo, though. We'll wrap last week's result. We'll also take a look at this week's clash with Melbourne, and we thought this is a terrific time to start the podcast with so much happening around the St Kilda Football Club, so much to talk about, good, bad, or otherwise. We'd love your involvement week to week on this. You'll be able to email us, tweet us, and uh, join us on Facebook, and we'll give you the details of all of that a little bit uh, later on. It is a place for all things Saints, and hopefully we'll have a little bit of fun along the way. Darren Parkin is my name, one of uh, three lifelong St Kilda members we have with you on the panel today. Aaron McGrath, the 1st we'll welcome, who's been a member for about 5,000 years. And H,
1: nice to have you with us. Um, 25 years. 25 years. Yeah, getting on there, long, as what they say, long-suffering, but that's... Everyone Yeah, is it, we, should,
0: we probably should have just called the podcast that I think that would, have, uh, that would have summed it all up Nick Splitter joins us Likewise, lifelong Saints fan can catch some of his work as well It's Stats Insider running the numbers on a lots of different things as well And Nick, thanks for uh, jumping on This should hopefully be a bit of fun
2: Yeah, thanks mate, thanks for having me
0: well, Without further ado, we'll kick it off with our Match Focus And the Bulldogs found a way to mess that up again could cost them a goal.
3: It does. And look at them get around him. Scenes reminiscent from training.
0: This time he had the chance, Langlands, and he didn't let it down when it really mattered. That's why Brett Ratton gave him the chance. <laughs> Well, a terrific result first up for Brett Ratton, 17-14, 116, defeating the Western Bulldogs 14-5, 89, with Membry and Loney kicking four goals apiece, a 27-point result, and the first time the club's kicked 100 points since round 17 against the Blues last year. And Nick, a fantastic full stop on what was a really tough week for the club.
2: Yeah, it was. It's, uh, I mean, like you said, we we talked about launching this last week, it would have been a a good week to launch given the, yeah. all, all the news, Richo gone, ratting in. Um, but I suppose you can't complain doing your first episode after a win. It's always, uh, as you said, the, the buzzword it's pleasing. Pleasing to get a win.
0: Now, H, you were there. Um, the atmosphere, 21,000, probably a, a smidge disappointing, but um, it was probably a relief to see St. Kilda break the shackles like that.
1: Yeah, I ex- expected a few more there, though, but um, seven goals, the first, or six goals in the first quarter, 11 scoring shots, the one. Got our crowd up and about and just flowed on from there. That Everyone got into it. Everyone's really, really liking what they were seeing in front of them. Um, great change and we'll see whether it flows on to another week or not.
0: That's right. I mean, probably asking the, the question is to, to both of you as well, that uh, on the back of that start and and that first half as well, was there any level of frustration that, that perhaps we hadn't seen what was clearly they were capable of in terms of free-flowing football, or was that just, I guess, the natural reaction? You sack a coach, you break the shackles a little bit, they just sort of throw the gates open, so to speak, and, and let them play.
1: I think they told oh. them, yeah, just to play the way you look forward, I think. Because one thing I did notice was, compared to a lot previously, they weren't looking back as often. It was always looking forward down the field. The space was being made. And we're able to use that space, either run or hit the player who was breaking loose. The handball backwards was not there that we've used every other week.
2: I think one of the things to, to kind of look at, and, and something that, that occurred to me a couple of times during the match, was that this year, you know, as, as tough and frustrating as it's been, hasn't been a complete disaster. It mm-hmm. doesn't have to be a complete disaster. Um, we've played some really good footy at times, and it's, just, it's frustrating that it hasn't been as often as we'd like. But... You, know, you look at some of the footy we played in that first quarter um, and even the third quarter um, you know we, we moved the ball well we hit targets um, and and we converted when we had opportunities um, guys like Rowan Marshall just just killing it. it's come out of nowhere um, to be number one rocket at the club and, and one of the probably top five or six ruckmen in, in the competition at the moment Jack Loney back from injury probably his best game for the club um, there's some really some really good signs um, and you know if if we'd been able to convert um, a bit better in, in previous matches, maybe we wouldn't be having this conversation about it being, you know, such a such a great win. Maybe it would be just another win. Um, you know, it, it, it was a good win in the context, but um, had a few other things gone our way during the year, it would have just been another win, and, and we'd be talking it, you know, sitting around eighth, ninth you know, maybe even higher on the ladder.
0: And we've been excited about Rowan Marshall for quite a number of weeks now, but I think that that excitement has been matched in the last fortnight and possibly the last month by the Hunter Clark excitement. Uh, his first half was probably as good a half a footy as a St Kilda player has played this year. He was outstanding and you'd have to think now that, um, you know, with with him being locked into that side, that, that all of a sudden that talk around perhaps St Kilda not having uh, elite talent going forward. If you look at Marshall, Clark, Gresham, just to, to sort of name a few. That's a that's a really good starting block for whoever it is that coaches
1: next year. Yeah, well, Clark had had a, that talent written all over him from day one. Um, his disposal had been a little bit questionable over time. Yes. But he hit everything on the weekend. And basically, if he he continued on the second half the way he'd start the first half, he's, the three votes were his without a doubt. Um, quietened out a little bit. I think they might I think look they had a little bit of a tag on him in the second half. Mm-hmm. Um I did notice I can't remember who it was, was sitting on him and ran the packs and everything. Um But he had yeah, the freedom he had in the first half, he crushed him, really. I, I know he um He he sort of gets his due due
0: rewards in terms of coaches' acknowledgement and best and fairest and things like that. But uh, Jack Steele, for the job he was able to do, restricting Marcus Bontempelli, and one that cops a bit of stick, and and certainly for me, And when we discuss changes uh, in the St Kilda side, he's one that does come up a little bit. Probably credit where credit's due for for Jack Nunes to completely blanket Jason Johannesson, who had 44 touches the last time the two sides met. So um, he probably deserves a little bit of credit, because when we hand out credit, it doesn't often come Jack's way.
2: No, I think you know. I remember listening to the official Saints podcast a couple of weeks ago when uh, when Jack Steele was a guest um, on on the podcast. And one of the things that he said was this year, and even late late last year, when he moved into that that really kind of defensive midfield tagging role, was that it simplified the game for him and it made him a lot easier to focus on on his job at hand. And um, he's kind of kind of amplified that into being able to win his own ball and, and kind of push the team forward as well. But I think something similar happened to, to Jack Nunes on the weekend as well. It kind of really narrowed his focus. He knew exactly what he had to do. Um, you know, you didn't expect him to be as damaging moving the ball forward, but you know that, that he's got the ability to do it. Um, but I think it really seemed like he, he knew what he was out there to do, and he did it um, and, and played his role for the team. And, and, you know, it was a really important one.
0: Certainly was. Uh, the, the 100 points, how significant was that for, for both of you? Is it just a byproduct of sort of the way they play, or is that a significant psychological milestone, do we think?
1: Well, back in, what, 2009, 2010, we were winning games every week without even scoring 100 points, but... The problem is you can let the other team concede 100 points. You need to kick 100 points
0: yourself. The thing was, in 2016, I was running the numbers the other day, in 2016, under Alan Richardson, we kicked 100 points in a game, I think it was 10 or 11 times. In 2017, I think we did it six times. Last year, we did it three times. Uh, And this year, this is the first time we've done it. So if we're looking at, I guess criticisms of Alan Richardson. Yes, Nick Rewalt retires in the middle of all of that. But for, for most of this year, we're we'll probably going along the games thinking the opposition have got it. We've got to keep the opposition to 70, 75 oh. points in order to be a chance to yeah, win well, this we,
1: game. We kicked between, I think it was 65 and 75 for about seven weeks straight, I think. Yeah, so. we either
0: kick 10, 10 or 10, 11, I reckon, yeah. in five consecutive games or, yeah. or, or something like that. So, um, yeah, clearly. and there are two other clubs that haven't kicked a hundred points this year, Hawthorne and Gold Coast uh, haven't done it. One would surprise and the other Golden, one, not yeah. so much. Um, but but yeah, it's clearly, you've got to be able to sort of get that balance right. And I know we'll talk about it in a minute, but to me, that's probably the criticism of, of Alan Richardson, as harsh as it is that we corrected our defensive stuff, but it was at significant expense of the ability to move the ball and, and score. And uh, overall, a pleasing result, I guess. Just before we we leave that game, there uh, any any player you want to mention that we haven't mentioned out of that performance?
1: Uh, probably Matthew Parker. As much as he didn't have much of the ball, his yeah, yeah. his attack at the contest liked it. Yeah, put the ball to the ground and it fell to our crummers in the forward line. Mm-hmm. He, I reckon, he ran through three contests in about three a three minute stage there, and we ended up with the ball every time. He didn't get a possession. He didn't get a anything for it. But he created the contest and gave us the ball. Yeah, liked him a lot, Nick.
2: Yeah, I think for me, uh, probably Jake Carlisle, someone yeah, who yeah. who copped a lot of flack over the last probably months of footy. Um, he's missed a lot of footy, as, as we know. But uh, he, when he came back, he, he was sluggish. Um, his disposal was off. He was obviously very rusty. But I thought last, I thought the the, the weekend was his his best game so far, um, and really looks to have cemented that key back role, um, cutting off the uh, opposition forays forward, um, but also being able to distribute either by hand or foot was, was really clean with the ball. And um, he's a really important player for us. And I think people can underestimate the impact not having him there in the lineup um, can can have on us and and has had on us uh, this year. Um, He just looked really solid, really solid. (laughs)
0: towards the some of the issues floating around uh, the club and it's obvious what they are. And had we have started last week, that would have obviously been every topic or every point of discussion would have centred around this. But uh, Alan Richardson moved on. Brett Ratton's one from one as a caretaker. Last time he was a caretaker coach at Carlton. He didn't win a game, but got the job anyway. I think he went zip and seven in the last seven at the Blues and got the job and did a good job at Carlton. We keep hearing the Brad Scott rumour that that was signed, sealed and delivered. Without the need for an interview process, I'm one who perhaps feels that maybe now Brad Scott's relationship with Simon Lethleen will cost him the job, not necessarily get him the job, given all of the speculation. And the Ross Lyon rumours, which I I think have been created by the WA media, it wouldn't surprise me if Ross Lyon's playing at something that involves getting out of there. But um, I think he would only leave if he got something, and, and I doubt. As much as his coaching was, I think the way he left the club meant that people underrated how good he was for us at the time, I still think the way he left us does have to be acknowledged, and and I think that would be not necessarily voted particularly favourably amongst our supporter base. So, how are we reading that? Starting off with you, H, as to which way you think it'll go, and and what your thoughts would be on the two experienced guys, Brad Scott or Ross Lyon.
1: I think we cross out Lyon now. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't think we can go backwards to go forwards. Mm-hmm. That's it's a game plan that's gone. It's still not really working over there in Frio. They've won probably more games this year than they should have. Um, as for Scott, I mean, yes, he had a good, reasonable record at North. Um, you just saying he does know Letfleen. He's got got the record behind him. He's got senior time behind him. But I think Ratton's still ahead. Yeah, I think their records are similar, and Ratton didn't coach as long.
0: So I would argue that, yeah, Ratton yeah. does have that, that sort of thing. Nick, uh, how, are you, how would you feel about, and how do you think, by extension, the St Kilda supporters listening to this would feel about either of those two? Because I get the feeling the issue with Brad Scott would be how he would get the job, not necessarily that he got it.
2: Yeah, I think, I think you're right. And, and I think the, the fact that we've been talking about Brad Scott for at least three months really, when, when it comes down. So we've been talking about the possibility of Brad Scott for, for 10 weeks. Um, yeah, that that probably counts against you now. I I, I reckon you bring in guys like um, Andrew Bassett, uh, Matt Finnis, and, and Simon Lessling, for whatever you, you feel about those guys. Um, they're smart operators. They know what they're doing. Um, I, I really don't understand the talk that Andrew Bassett's going to let um, a, a personal friendship, Someone else at the club um, dictate who who we hire as, as senior coach moving forward. Um, I think he's too smart a businessman. I think he's too smart a man, and and I really can't see that that being a factor. Um, if if Brad Scott does get the job, and you know he hasn't even really put his hand up for it um, or said that he'll interview or or anything like that, but if he does, then I really hope that it it's on merit and that it's because he's the best the best option out there. But but I feel like. Brett Ratton is in the box seat and and has been in the box seat since the start of the season. And I I Mm kind of almost felt when they brought him and Brendan laid in um, at the end of last year that that Brett Ratton was going to be a a number one option to take over should the inevitable happen and and Richo kind of being exited out of the club. Um, You know everything that came out of the Footy Club over the the, the off season and everything since has been nothing but positive about Brett Ratton, and um, you know you, you could just see the the way that the boys played on the weekend, you could see it on his own face. Um, you know, it, it was just like pure joy. And that and was something that you don't see very often in footy. And, um, you know, I, I definitely feel like he's, he's my number one, um, bet. If I was, if I was going to put money on it, it'd be my bet. But, um, Probably my number one option, too, at the moment.
0: We'll probably see what happens in the, also in the last five if they respond with that same level of positivity. Quite a few winnable games in the in the run home. But, yeah, the, the Brett Ratton one, it's interesting. Carlton and North will face it, too, if they don't go with their caretakers, which I think they both will. But the issue is, let's say Brett Ratton wins hypothetically four of the last six and then they don't hire him and then St Kilda lose their first three next year, it immediately puts pressure on the new coach because immediately you'd be thinking, well, you might've pulled the wrong rein. You've made the wrong decision. Carlton would face that with, with David Teague potentially as well. So the caretakers clearly in the box seat. And and I do wonder whether Brad Scott might've perhaps jumped from North at a time where he thought opportunities would emerge, not anticipating that the caretakers would be who they are and go as, as well as they have. So that's the, the challenge that he, he faces. Um, Anyone. I think also, yeah. some of
2: the some of the something that, that might count against um, Brad Scott is the, the dilution, I guess, of the, the pool. Given the talk around guys like Longmire, Barkson, Ross Lyon, who wouldn't have been in the discussion mm. ten weeks ago, um, you know, even Malthouse, Malthouse throwing his hat in the ring potentially, um, and and Boss and some other guys that that you know we we weren't really talking about. Um, at the time with, with Brad Scott and, and he might have thought that, you know, he could kind of take some time off for the next couple of months and then, you know, hopefully for him, walk into a, a role at a new club and, and everything be fine and dandy. But um, I, I think maybe some of that impact has been lost by, A, the, the results with, with the caretakers, but also some of these more experienced guys uh, being spoken about as options, whether they're realistic or not. Um, you know, they've been talked about and all of a sudden it's not, it's not just on who's Brad Scott going to choose. Um, it's who are these clubs going to go with.
0: Yeah, it's, um, and St Kilda genuinely believed that they were in with, in, front, in the hunt for Luke Beveridge as well. I mean, obviously, the, that, that might have forced the Bulldogs' hand a little bit, but the club genuinely believed that they were a live chance at, at that. Uh, about a week ago, obviously, when when that was all sort of floating around, you can obviously cross that name off the list, and, and Luke Beveridge signing on with the Western Bulldogs, he had that connection with the Saints. I guess before we leave that there, uh, Alan Richardson... Uh, It would have been fresher, obviously, last week. But the the reaction, uh, whether the weekend changes, anything like that, but starting with you, H, obviously, reflecting on his time, did St Kilda pull the rain they had to pull on that one?
1: Well, he had a tough run, really, when you look at it. Yeah. Injuries killed him, one Mm. thing. Um, He did the best with what he had, um, but it just wasn't going the right direction. Basically, six years... It didn't. It was a bit stagnant. It wasn't moving in the right direction to where we really wanted to be. Something fresh has to come in, change it up, give us something new, new direction, and aim for the new five year plan if that's what they're looking at. Nick.
2: Yeah, it is. It is a tough one. I think, like I said earlier, this this year, if you look at it in the right light, this year doesn't have to be disaster.
0: No, it
2: doesn't. Um, and and uh, I don't think that Richo felt the bronze of it because of this year. I think I think he kind of paid the price for last year. Um, I've heard a few people talk about it over the last kind of week and a half, but um, last year was the real big disappointment. It was, was the massive drop-off from potentially, you know, aiming to play finals, and only four wins, um, and was really head, head on the chopping block from, from the start of this year. And the fact that, you know, we're kind of not in the hunt for finals, I think, two years in a row, um, this year hasn't been that bad. He really hasn't. We've been cu- cruel by injuries, as I said, but, um, you know, I, I think he really paid the price for last year. I think it had to happen. I think it had to happen.
0: Yeah, and I think fundamentally, as, as tough as it was for him this year, St Kilda were getting beaten the same way consistently as they have been for the last couple of years. It was failure to convert, poor entries inside 50, poor ball use not kicking enough uh, of a score going their way. And I guess if you keep getting beaten the same way, change is inevitable. Well, that's the off field stuff. Time now to jump inside the match committee.
3: Hi, Saints fans. Welcome to the round 19 injury report ahead of our game against Melbourne at Marvel Stadium on Saturday night. There are a few positive stories for several players this week, so let's get to it. First up, Jimmy Webster just needs to get through training this week to make himself available for selection. He's been running really well and has started training, so it'll be great to have Jimmy back out on the ground. Dan Hanabry's been back into training, so he just needs to get through training on Thursday to ensure his availability. He was really close last week, but pending any issues this week, he will certainly put his hand up. And further good news, Josh Battle should be available this week pending all going well at training. Josh has been really important to us this year so it'll be great to have him back in the side. Dave Armitage unfortunately uh, received a head knock on the weekend playing for Sandringham so he's in the hands of the Doc. He'll have to undergo further tests this week to ascertain his availability for selection. Just some good news for those who have been following the progress of our injured players. Jack Bytel has recovered from his back surgery. He's lifting fully in the gym. He's been running out on the track and he's now joined in training fully. So he's progressing really, really well. He's obviously on the long-term injury list so he will play next year.
0: So that's the injury update from Saints physio Andrew Wallace with some really positive news on Webster uh, Battle and obviously Dan Hanabry. Another concussion obviously in there for David Armitage. It's been a wretched run on that front for the Saints and good to see Jack Bytel up and about uh, and ready to hopefully start next year's preseason at full swing. As we turn our attention to this week's clash with Melbourne, the Saints uh, and the Ds Saturday night. It used to be a fortress for St Kilda Saturday night games at Marvel Stadium. They were practically unbeatable for six or seven years. It, it's been a good matchup for the Saints for a number of years. That the Ds and they're they've been competitive at times, but but obviously haven't been able to generate results and. I think the markets, probably speaking from a buyer's point of view, the markets have got this one around the wrong way. The D's are relatively short favourites at about a dollar fifty ish. I think St Kilda probably should be favourites in this game and I'd be pretty disappointed if they if they couldn't muster a result, but but there is that whole factor of, you know, bouncing back second week under a under a new coach. But uh I think there should be reason for confidence, particularly if uh Jack Viney doesn't get up, H. Hey?
1: Yeah, I did see this afternoon the odds had come in a bit actually. Mm. Um they are coming back from Alice, Alice Springs, Springs yes. uh, in, in the warmth against the reigning premiers, a bit beaten up. As you say Viney played well, but, but yeah, yeah, they, they faded at the end there. The yeah. Eagles sort of held them at arm's length and then just went, okay, let's finish this in the last 10 minutes. Um, there's only Viney's out. That's their, that's their center. Um, then they're relying on the likes of Jones to get in there and get it. Um, the sort of players that we know we can be better than, mm-hmm. uh, Marshall can match it with Gorn, and our forward line is quite strong, especially with McDonald missing. I'm looking
0: forward to that, actually, Nick, because St Kilda belted Melbourne earlier in the year, but, but Gorn got hold of Marshall in a, in a big way on that occasion. Marshall's been the number one-ranked player in the AFL for the last seven weeks, according to all the, the champion data numbers. So it'll be nice to see how uh, Rowan goes in round two.
2: Yeah, it's, it's going to be really interesting. I think um, the, the one thing... Rowan struggled with this year has been that established, you know, big body around the ground ruckman. And, and you know, Grundy Grundy gave him a bit of a lesson um, earlier in the year. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Gaunt did um, as well. But, yeah. uh, you know, Rowan Marshall has grown a lot as a ruckman, as a player um, over the course of the season. He's a very different player as, as he would have been in, in round two and three. Um, it, it's going to be a really interesting matchup. But I agree. I think that the markets have got it a, a little bit um, around the wrong way. I think that the line's about three and a half, two and a half, three and a half, which is about right, but it would probably be the other way. I think, um, you know, historically we've got the wood on Melbourne. Um, we have for about 12 years. I think they've beaten us once or twice in about in about Something that time. That so, um, you know, it's uh, it, it going to be a, a tough game. I think obviously Melbourne are going to want to beat us um, as they want to beat every team, but um, it's been a really rough year for them, and, and I'm not really sure where it's gone wrong for them. They, they were my pre-season Premiership favourite um, off, off the back of last year, um, so I really know what's happened to them. I haven't seen enough of them live to, to kind of you know, put some thoughts together on that yet. But um, you know, we, we really should beat them off the back of our performance if we play the same way that, that we played on the weekend, and Melbourne have played all year then we should beat them, and we should beat them fairly comfortably, I would have
0: thought. And they're a good match-up for us. I mean, no Tom McDonald for them for the rest of the season. Wiedemann, if he comes up from a calf, would play uh, probably in place of Petty, who hurt himself on the weekend. Uh, Garlett, I think, is out as well. Um, Then you look at a couple of their guys, like Petrarca, obviously, would have to hit the scoreboard. Their defence has been a little better in in recent weeks. And then you look at Oliver Brayshaw-Jones, potentially Viney, although six-day break from concussion, usually they don't get up, but you, you never know. And obviously Max Gorn sort of driving that engine room uh, through the middle. So, yeah, th- there is obviously still some some danger uh, within that group. But it, it's a good matchup for us. In terms of uh, potential changes, we believe that, that Dan Hannabury will be named, subject to how he goes with that training session on Thursday. Uh, Tom Morris, who gets a fair bit of good mail out of St. Kilda, used to work for the club. Uh, he's at, at Fox. He said that uh, Dan Hanabry, uh, he will be named and went very strong with that today. Looks like Battle will be okay. So if if we base that on at least two changes with Hanbury and Battle, who goes out and do we play Jack Stephen straight away, H?
1: I think Stephen probably one more week at least in VFL because mm-hmm. um, he's been – What round was he out originally? I think think the Adelaide game was the
0: last game he played, which was round six. Six.
1: yeah. Probably one more week down there. Mm -hmm. Um, It's going to be tough to, as you would say, to drop, say, a Langlands or something like that this week to bring our experienced players back. Someone may need a spell, possibly. um, Question is, who didn't do their job? And on the weekend, there wasn't many. No,
0: there wasn't. I mean, Nick Hind, I think, gives us plenty, Nick, but... Um, he's been a little down in the last two weeks. So obviously hasn't hit the scoreboard in the last fortnight. Would he he'd be a little bit stiff, but I think they like his pace.
2: Oh, definitely. It's something that, that, you know, we don't have a huge amount of um, mm. pace and run. And, and he does give us that. I, I, I feel like maybe we kind of lose a bit of that when he's playing kind of half forward, um, you know, in the, in the, the higher part of the ground, I, I feel like maybe that run for, for a team that doesn't have much of it, um, could maybe be better utilized off off halfback or, or off the wing, but um, hasn't hasn't been that way so far. But yeah, look, he, he'd be stiff. He'd be stiff to be dropped, but I think yeah, you know, mo- most players would be off off, off last week. Um, I, I'm I'm a big believer in not making changes just for the sake of making changes, and yeah. and obviously if Hanbury fit and ready to go, then you probably do bring him back in. Um, Stephen, I think need needs another week. Battle. I'm confused about Battle because I, I thought I'd heard that he was gonna be out for the year when he when he first went down. Um, and it certainly seemed that way. But uh, maybe there's there's uh, an inkling that, you know, you get a couple of wins and, and get some consistency back on the board, maybe there's a chance to kind of sneak into the eight.
0: Yeah, I, I would have would you
2: risk would you would you risk Josh Battle coming back now?
0: Possibly. I mean he was in full running last week. I was the same it sounded well looked bad obviously when he initially did it against the Kangaroos, but yeah, um Apparently he's recovered reasonably quickly. I don't think he's had many injury concerns in his career. Hanbury was probably the one I thought that way on. I was sort of sitting there thinking, he's had a couple of games, four if you count the the Sandringham games. Would they have been tempted to just say, um, just do all the running, do all the training, don't play games, go away, come back through the preseason and and almost don't worry about these last five. But but I'm glad they're going to persevere with with that one. Um, You'd say that the ones that might be unlucky or or in the gun, or Patton, who I know we all like, uh, Langland's was solid enough on, on debut hind. And again, you'd probably mention guys like Nunes and acres, but they played their better games or better games. And they played for, for quite some time. So hard to, hard to find them, but that's, it's a nice position to be in rather than sort of scrambling. Brandon White had 31 possessions in the VFL too. um, So he'd be getting close given he only went out of the side with injury in the first place on the back of that Gold Coast game. Before we let you go, I guess a little bit of rapid fire that I I like to play in my sort of SEN guys. So it's sort of a, a quick answer, is Callum Wilkie our next Sam Fisher for both of you?
1: He has been a marvel. He's, he's probably the, I'd reckon, of the season in most of the league. Um, holding down the back mm. position that he's in, doing what he does every week, he looks like he's been playing AFL for four or five years already. Mm. Um Tell me about a defender who stepped into the game like that. That's.
0: I think that's a very valid point. And Nick, one for you. Have we missed any player this year more than we've missed Jack Loney?
2: Well, yeah, yeah. He's um, he's someone who's copped a lot of slack over the last few years, isn't he? And um, he, he started off the year in really good form and was probably in our top four to five players in each of the games that, that he played at the start of the year. Um, and I think he's kind of spotted straight back into the side seamlessly. And, and it's like like he was never gone, but I think it just proves how important he is to us um, and, and to the way that, that we structure our team, um, the way we attack the ball in the forward half. Um, he's a good kick. You know, he converts well. Miss, missed a couple of bad ones on, on the weekend, but and the, the greatest game of things didn't really matter. But, yeah, look, he's, he's really important and, and more important than I probably gave him credit for at the start of the season.
0: And one for both of you as well. We're just about to wrap things up. But if you could beat one side in the competition,
1: who would it be? It doesn't matter how good or how bad they are. They're generally bad, but Carlton. Carlton. Nick? (laughs)
2: Um, Yeah, it's a good one. I always like beating Carlton. For me, it'd probably be Essendon. Yeah, mine
0: mine generally would be Essendon. But sometimes it changes based on the moment. At the moment, I would love to beat Port Adelaide just because we don't. And I'd love to beat Sydney just because we don't. But um but Essen and yeah. ultimately, but it'd be it'd be nice to knock one of those two off.
2: Speaking of the moment, I'd love to beat Melbourne.
0: Always like being in Melbourne. Yeah, that'd be uh that'd be nice. It's always good to uh to remind them of, of that from, from time to time. And um just as we uh as we wrap things up and uh, bid farewell for the uh, for the program for our, for our first edition and hopefully we'll uh we'll be able to keep this running and get a bit of feedback and, and sort of share some of your social media thoughts. Uh, over the um over the last a uh, couple or over the the next couple of weeks, uh, the prediction if a, a gun was to be held to your head now before we wrap things up, who
1: coaches St Kilda in 2020? Hey? Looking at the reaction of the players to him over the last week, I mean it started with the Langlands video that we saw. I, I think Ratton's placed to do it, and Nick, he's yep. he's got the got the friendship with the players. It looks like they all like what he's doing and it showed on the field. It did indeed and Nick uh, I think you're very much on that
0: page
2: Yeah very much so. Brett ran for me
0: Yep, Brett Ratton for me as well And We'd love to get your thoughts and contributions weekly for our podcast as well for any thoughts on the weekend's matches or content or the like you can send us an email unplugged at gmail.com at, at twitter at unplugged or via facebook facebook.com forward slash unplugged uh, We're also keen to get plenty of special guests on the program We'll be joined throughout the course of our podcast series by several former Saints the likes of Ozzy Jones, Justin Kaczynski, Nick Del Santo, etc We'll be special guests on the program Program from time to time as we analyse all of the key thoughts, including in the off-season, a look at draft and trade strategy. That's it, our first edition of Unplugged. We'll be back again next week, hopefully wrapping our eighth win of the season.